0: People listen to other people. Do you have to. If you don't listen to other people, you're not gonna gain the knowledge that they're expressing, you know? And all of these all these situations, yeah, you could you could sit back and go, well, well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that but they were them at that point of time. And cruisers will share that with you openly. They're very, they're very honest in their stories generally you know and of course if somebody wants to embellish,
1: well that's you know that's
0: kind of fun you know you know I mean what the heck you know Welcome to the first mini episode of Why We Spin Yarns, or what we're calling Single Threads. These single threads are going to be sailor spotlights that highlight one sailor or maybe several and their kind of entrance into the cruising community, their passage making, or general life at sea. In between each of the main episodes, we're going to interject these little single threads just to show a little bit more in depth on somebody we might have even gotten in touch with throughout the podcast. For this first single thread, this first sailor story, I chose Leif, <laughs> Leaf Ponce. <laughs> yeah, name and boat
1: name? Yeah. Uh, OK, uh, Leaf Ponce, and my boat is called Peregrine.
0: When I first met Leif, I was instantly drawn to him, particularly because of his general nonchalant behavior towards this incredible voyage that he was about to complete. You see, Leaf just spent the past two years sailing from his home in the Falkland Islands up through the middle of the Pacific Ocean to Alaska, where he spent two summer seasons exploring the Aleutians, Kodiak, and the Inside Passage. And he has done this all by himself. Leaf. We met in the Marina Seca Wymus, in the Wymus Yard. We met him literally walking <laughs> walking into the yard while his boat was being hauled out. His boat's name is Peregrine.
1: Uh, 39-foot steel hull, old French design, hard chine. Um, uh, Sloop rigged. Um... Yeah, fairly heavily heavily built thing, uh, I suppose. Just yeah, a regular regular sort of displacement for a steel boat.
0: And when asked why steel, why not fiberglass? Leaf's response. Um, do you have welding you experience?
1: Can, uh, yes. Yes. Um I also have a lot of experience hitting stuff, which <laughs> steel is very good for. <laughs> Rocks, ice, uh other boats. So, um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> steel. <laughs> yeah, for for years I thought I was not not going to um, not actually going to get a boat. I was pretty certain of it in fact because I I'd, I'd seen the I'd seen the amount of maintenance and other issues that went into them and, and thought it wasn't for me. So I grew up on a on a boat. So my, my parents were well. My my dad's been sailing since he was in his early 20s. Left left France and um, and never really went back except to get another boat built. Yeah. So my parents had had a had a boat, a 50 foot steel steel schooner, and they they sailed lots of places with it, uh, including Australia, where I was born. I had an older brother who was, he was actually born on the boat on uh, the sub-Antarctic island of South Georgia, wow. in an abandoned, way, well, in the boat, moored in an abandoned whaling station with no one else around <laughs> other than my, my parents. Uh, and your um, father
0: delivered the baby?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was I was born I was born in a house just next to the boat. My parents had hauled the boat out of the water for to overhaul, and um, and and, and rent. Yeah, they were living in this house. So I was born about 50 yards from the boat. And uh, by the time my younger brother was born, I think my mum had had enough, and it was in a hospital. <laughs> I suppose it was kind of reading, reading my dad's book. Well, not his book. He didn't write it, but his his friend that when they left France, they, his friend wrote wrote a book about it, and it was written in French. And I, I do I do read and speak French, but not as well as as English. So it had taken me a while to get around to reading it. But I read it, and you know, very inspiring and all that. And and I, I'd also when I was uh, um, at school, I'd got gotten into sea kayaking quite a lot and done done some trips, and I kind of consider it a sort of a natural progression to go from a sea kayak to a boat if you still want to do you know adventures and and trips just in a, in a bit more comfort and a bit further afield. Bring a toilet with um, you. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, bed, and <laughs> so, a stove that you don't have to set up. Yeah. To <laughs> um, so I, I guess it was that, yeah. Wanting to, to keep on sailing to or seeing faraway places but being able to get to them. Okay. So about 10 years ago I, I started looking around. And I mean, it seemed at the time anyway that there was quite a bit of of choice in boats of the of the type that I was after. Metal hull, not too expensive, um in Spain. I was just walking around this marina looking at boats. So I thought, ah, oh, I've seen that one before. And I like the just like the shape of the hull. And um I knocked on the hull and <laughs> said hello <laughs> the two two old people living on board'd been they'd been living on board in the same marina for fifteen years i don't don't think they'd actually moved out of the marina oh my gosh. <laughs> so they they were kind of a bit taken aback that someone yeah. was there knocking on the hull, and they got me to come back in a few hours once they'd cleaned up, presumably um, so yeah I had, a, I had a ferret around inside and didn't find too much rust, (laughs) the rig was sound, the sails were good, and yeah, I thought, okay. (laughs) So, yeah, that's how it goes. begin with I had to get the boat back to the Falklands, that was the first, first step because the boat needed a lot of things doing to it and home was the easiest place to, to get all that done. Uh, well, get all done. I'm still I'm still doing it now. Uh, <laughs> for example, the boat didn't didn't have a heater when I bought it. It had a big fridge and the only place that I could think of to put a heater was right where the fridge was. <laughs> so I got home tore out the fridge and, and put a heater in, amongst other things. Yeah, and I really wanted to go to the, the uh, Kegelin Islands. Where's that? That's um, the Southern Indian Ocean, about halfway between South Africa and Australia about 49 degrees south. Uh, little French, well, little. So what, yeah. what islands are these? How do you... What, it's the... C- 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 Gare- in French. Never heard of those. No? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Captain oh. Captain Cook called them the desolation islands Sweet. when he visited.
0: This is probably a great place to tell you that Leif, especially for cruisers, has an unusual love for the high latitudes. And by high latitudes, I mean... Anything close to the Arctic or Antarctic. The Cagrelins are known as some of the most isolated islands on Earth. The nearest populated place, which is Madagascar, is 2,051 miles away. You have to really, really enjoy being alone. Quick skip ahead here. Leaf left the Falklands, headed around the globe uh, for a circumnavigation through the Roaring Forties. The Roaring Forties is a term that sailors use to describe the ring of water and wind that go around just above Antarctica. So it's the space between Antarctica and the land above it. Uh, So the wind can actually go uninterrupted all the way around the globe and continues to circle and build. It's the preferred method of circumnavigation if you're looking for a speed record, uh, you hate anchoring, (laughs) or you are like leaf and you have an affinity for high latitudes. Okay,
1: so you're Hmm. in Tasmania. Tasmania, spent the winter there. And then the following summer, I crossed over to New Zealand and spent spent summer around um, Stewart Island, which is off the south southern end of New Zealand, and Milford, the fjordland, so the southwestern end of the south island of New Zealand, which is fjords and forests and Mm -hmm. biting insects. I, I, I was only on the south island of New Zealand, and then I went to the Chatham Islands, which are... A group about 400 miles east of New Zealand, and from there straight back to the Falklands, which was about four and a half thousand miles. Four thousand miles. Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. That <laughs> half is a lot of miles. <laughs> from, from New Zealand Strata. straight Strata. back to, to the Falklands. Falklands. Yeah. Falklands. Yeah. Um,
0: Around the. Yep, yeah, around How the horn. How many days did that take? And that's the um, right way
1: That was right? your fast yeah, one. Right? That was the fast one I was you. it. Yeah. That so that when was that was, was an, to uh, that take was 33 30, 30, 30, 30 days, something like that. Yeah. It was probably 20-25 knots wind average all the way. Rarely one or two days of calm, and that was it on the whole trip. So. Uh-huh. So back to the Falklands and a few more years there, building up a bit more a bit more cash. And left left again in when was it? Beginning of twenty sixteen. On this trip. I went. To see. She's struggling to breathe, you don't make a fire and a trial for the I went uh, up the coast of Chile through the through the islands the channels on, on the Pacific side there from there I, I went out to uh, the Gambier Islands southeastern French Polynesia I didn't spend that long there and the the summer was coming along in the northern hemisphere so I wanted to get to Alaska so from the Marquesas I went straight north just west of uh, east of Hawaii um, to Dutch Harbour. Cleared in there.
0: Why Alaska? What drew you to trying to do the big trip up to Alaska?
1: Why not? Why not Alaska? Would you like me to tell you about Alaska and all that stuff? <laughs> um.
0: There's Patagonia and Chile mm-hmm. and you're already down there and yeah. you have already done a bunch of sailing in high latitudes and then you decided to go pop back up to the other one?
1: Um, well, me personally I, I I like sort of wild and, and remote places I, I I guess what I really like is places where you can just arrive and you know there's no one around and it's you've got well, potentially well, fantastic scenery, of course, and potentially a lot of history as well—human history—and um, and lots of food, you know, fish, <laughs> fish and berries and all that stuff. I, I love being able to, to catch and gather and um, my own food. So when I um when I left when I left the Falklands on my my previous long trip South Africa Australia I um so in in the Falklands I live on a (coughs) sheep farm and we uh, make
0: sheep cheese. Uh
1: no no we don't we don't Uh. we don't milk them (laughs) but but we eat the sheep (laughs) so so because because the air down there is is generally uh, it's it's quite dry and cool so meat keeps a long time outside so when i left when i left the falklands i had a whole a whole mutton carcass hanging up in the on the um off the backstay and <laughs> that lasted me lasted me a oh, the back co- couple of weeks couple of weeks yeah yeah, yeah. well How did you put ba- it on backstay and kind of tied off to the um to the to the wind wind generator mount <laughs> as well to stop it swinging around
0: do you have pictures
1: uh of yeah, like, I think not not of that particular not of that particular sheep, but of, of others. Yeah, I think I think I do. Yeah, off the back, off the back though, of the boat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's um. I mean, yeah, because in in the in the cold, cold and, and dry air that they they keep for keep for a long time. So, so that was that was good because I had I had fresh meat. I'd just go up on deck and. Cut a piece off whenever I was hungry.
0: That's rad. It is awesome. Could you do that with a deer? You think?
1: That- oh yeah, yeah. I've I've got got pictures of, of deer hanging off the back of my boat in Alaska. Oh, we gonna rise again. Well, I did it with a reindeer in again. in the Aleutians, yeah. which I got up there, and yeah, it, it wasn't raining, but it was always fog around, so the yeah. air was was humid and. It worked for a little while, but yeah, not forever. Yeah, I'll show you some pictures of. It. <laughs> 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 like,
0: lifestyle and, um, one of your th- favorite things, like what keeps you favorite things about being on the boat, living on the boat. What keeps you wanting to
1: do it? <laughs> seeing the, the, seeing those places like, like Alaska. Because I, I, I don't really consider myself to be a sort of live-aboard cruiser as such. I am at the moment, but I know I've, I've kind of got an, got an end in sight but it won't be a permanent end i know in a few a few more years i'll want to go off and do another trip but i i don't i don't want to spend years years at a time living on the boat even this trip has kind of been a little bit a little bit longer than well this is only only so short it could be given the distances involved but it's it's kind of slightly longer than i you know i'm, I'm, I'm ready to ready to go home now. It's not the lifestyle that appeals to me as such, it's yeah, the means yeah, the the goal at the end. I, I like it as a as a way of, of getting to, to interesting places.
0: is Leif Ponce, owner of the sailboat Peregrine, aboard our boat Sedna in Wymas several weeks ago. Leif is actually now in La Paz preparing for his last leg, the final leg of his journey throughout the Pacific. He's going to be going from La Paz, Mexico to the Gambier Islands and then down to the Falkland Islands to finish up his voyage. We wish you all the best, Leaf. Thank you so much for your company and your time and sharing your story with us. You're listening to The First Single Thread, a mini-episode of Why We Spin Yarns. Why We Spin Yarns documents the stories of modern sailors and those who live their lives on the sea. If you enjoyed this interview and you look forward to other stories in the future, please subscribe, tell us what you think. Uh, You can continue to listen, and if you're really jazzed about it, you can even go to our website, which is SednaStories.com, and you can read more about Sedna, our own boat, and uh, those that we meet. Music featured in this episode includes songs by Vagabond Mantra and Les Hayden, both of whom choose to make their music accessible through Creative Commons and freemusicarchive.org. Check them out on Bandcamp, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. For full musical details, see the description on the podcast or visit my website. I'm Giselle Miller, and this is Why We Spin Yarns. Uh, do you have any, as Cliff and I, like, get ready to do the, the <clears throat> coconut milk run here? Our biggest the, crossing ever. The, <laughs> as we're getting ready to do the really easy crossing, <laughs> I feel like compared to all your stuff, our, our little crossing over to the Marquise. So this is going to be like a little baby crossing. That's well, Yeah. But do you have any um, words of advice or uh, recommend, you know, any words of wisdom before we take get ready to start doing some bigger ocean stuff?
1: Get a steel boat and you can sleep at night. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say Make sure you've got plenty to keep yourselves entertained. (laughs) (laughs) And the worst problem is going to be lack of wind, not not too much of it.